You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to oh Jesus. <clears throat> welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, talk to the people. How are you doing? Nothing. I'm good. It's nothing to talk about. Nothing to talk about. <laughs> All right, <welcome. laughs> Other than I was good, man. Just trying to survive this heat. Other than that, man, I'm good. Living life the best possible way I possibly can. What would that entail? What do you mean? What are you doing when you say that? Waking up every day. Being able yeah. to go to work. Some people. Some people don't wake up. Some people, some people don't have a job. Some people getting these monkeypox. I am. And, yeah, and, you know, monkeypox is going around. I don't know where that's going to go. Yeah. Is it going to top COVID? <sighs> we don't know. Well, here's the interesting. See, monkeypox affects your it's a, it's a, a disease of vanity. So okay. people getting these bumps on their skin and stuff. So now where everybody wanted to know what was in the COVID vaccine, yeah, those people don't care anymore and are lined up around blocks to get the uh, monkeypox vaccine. Mm-hmm. There's a shortage of it. Like they they have to make make stipulations because they don't you know it's in high demand because nobody wants those bumps all over their body. So how is it transmitted? Touch same. Uh, like I think through um uh like um. What's the word like like respiratory respiratory like like breathing okay uh, spit spit yeah 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 like just close contact in okay. that way like you know gotcha. uh, that you know spit particles um and in that regard and people are kind of making it out to be a gay disease but is it is it like and that's wrong is but it go ahead. do you have monkeypox but don't know it yet or is like if yeah you, you have, have it if you, you the know early, you, have. you got you got I mean you know it because you get these bumps okay on but, you, but I mean like, like early stages there's before. an early stages of okay, monkeypox okay. for sure yeah that's the part I'm concerned about. Yeah, where you could get it from somebody that they don't have like showing monkeypox. Right. Yeah. Don't, but that's the thing is like it's not a fatal disease. Like it has the same symptoms as like a cold or like the chicken pox, like body aches and things of yeah. that nature. But like you're not going to die from it. But people are concerned that the scars are going to, yeah. the bumps are going to leave scars. Yeah. Like they're not just going to go away. You know, like I have still have like pock marks in places on my body. I don't have a ton of them, but you scratch them and they've you know and then you they they scar over and they're permanent. So if you have them. In your on your face and all yeah. over your body, you could you know fuck around and scratch them, and then they're never going away. And yeah. now you have, you're kind of you know just you know disfigured in a in a way for the rest of your life. So, but that's making people care. But yeah, anyway, um, when you wipe, do you sit or do you stand? I sit. Yeah, I would I would hope so. Your say, ass is in air. Yeah, your, your cheeks are clapped back together when you stand. So now you're smearing shit in your butt. Oh wait, oh stand. I thought you meant I thought you meant like. What I thought was you just you you just lean you're up and you're at you just leaned over. That's what I meant. That's what I thought you meant by standing. I, I mean, know I, you. I, I know. I, I know technically you meant I tilt. No, there are people who stand up. Oh, I didn't know. That's crazy. Just get up like a a, a ten hut, like a salute. Yeah. Legs are straight. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. And then just I guess like swipe their clenched no. butt cheeks. To that's get, gross. It's absolutely foul. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is an actual debate that's happening online. I thought you meant just like a lean over. No, nah, I mean I'm I sit, but I do lean. You gotta, you know, I, I lean over to one direction. I probably yeah, favor leaning to the right, left. Well, I'm right-handed, so never mind. Yeah, I favor leaning to the left because that's my right hand. So yeah. where my right hand is, the white hand. Yep. Um, that's my. It's like a sign over my in my bathroom. The right yeah. hand is the white hand. Um, but yeah, so 
I don't stand though. But there yes. are people who like straight up stand. And I, one of the arguments I heard was somebody says, "Well, you got to stand up anyway when you're done." So, it, yeah, that was crazy as shit. I don't. But he he said it with such conviction. I was like, I, "Yeah, I guess you do have to stand up." But what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. So people get your it's lives crazy. together, man. I don't, what are we doing out here? I don't really understand people. Ugh. Absolutely foul. That's that. That's like you have a shitty butt. That gives me the same reaction. Sir, your butt is shitty. That gives me the same. <laughs> That's this is how I felt when I found out that white people wasn't washing cleaning their legs, washing their not legs all white people. In the, in the let, let me just defend because every time this comes up, I get like seven messages from people like, "I'll have you know, I'm from Decatur, Georgia, and we definitely use washcloths." And I was like, "Okay, man, we're just talking." See, white people don't have to deal with stereotypes too often, so they really get their feelings hurt when we bring this topic up. They're like, "I don't know what white people you hang around." I get messages like this every single time this topic comes up. It's always like a little bit salty and a little bit like. I don't know where you're getting your facts from, but let me sure, assure you that I and my entire family use washcloths. So I don't hey, know the white people that you associate. You don't with. have to prove a damn thing to me. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's but it's the whole thing. The whole point. The, the reason that this happens is interesting. I, and I always laugh to myself, and I rarely answer them because I go, "Oh, you don't have to deal with this." I remember I was at a I was at um uh I was dating a girl and we were at like a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. event for their family. Mm-hmm. And I had told her some of the white people stereotypes and stuff. I remember this. And, you know, it, she told them, like, hey, do you know that, like, people say white people can't cook? And everybody just was kind of like, huh. Yeah. Really? Like, nobody had ever heard it because stereotypes don't affect white people at all. And they had never even heard it before. This whole mm-hmm. family had never heard the white people, the stereotype the white people don't season their food. And they all just were like, huh. Have well, they have they haven't heard of that one specifically or haven't heard of any of this? I mean, I don't know. I didn't oh, okay. go down you the list. You didn't bring them up? I didn't go you down didn't the like list of all of them. Notebook and was like, <laughs> Look, start checking how them much off. time do you have? Yeah. Uh, dancing. Uh, <laughs> Wet dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, no, I didn't go down the list. But the food one, the not seasoning their food one was like, yeah. it wasn't, nobody was mad. They just were kind of like, ah. They were stunned, huh? Would you look at that? I mean, oh, oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Or, you know, when I heard, I'm not going to say when I found out. Yeah. When I heard that. Some, Some white people, people okay, <laughs> don't wash their legs in the shower or use washcloths, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, uh, tits, pits, and slits, or something like that. There's a rhyme to go with it. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the shout outs. All right, really quickly, like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, uh, I am going to Dallas, Texas for the True Crime Podcast Festival. Uh, the 26th to the 29th, I believe. It's the last weekend in August. Fran will not be in attendance, unfortunately. Uh, he's got some you know, some things that he has to take care of in Dallas, and you need to take care of them immediately because people are demanding that you, you know, we got to go to Dallas at some point, bro. We got to go see where JFK got his, his brains blown out. It's like a necessity. It's like you're not an American until you do that. Really? And I'm going to do that. Can you, like, is it blacked off? No, it's like a street. It's a street. I mean, but they like, do tours down the street. Cause I want, you know, where I, where I really want to go. I want to go to where Martin Luther King was shot. That's why. Yeah, that's. I, in, I know they uh, changed that into like a museum or like a you know memorial. I, yeah. I want to go there. Nashville, Memphis. It's Think of Memphis. Memphis. It's yeah, in yeah, Memphis. Yeah, yeah, Memphis. But it's like the pictures I saw is like they like they. Yeah, the, the, the cars motel. that was there. Yeah, are, it's like the cars that were there. They yeah, got like replicas. I don't, I'm not sure it's the same car. They made the whole the thing like a yeah. museum. I definitely, I want to go. Yeah, there. well, you know, John Kennedy just got murdered on the street, so they couldn't just yeah. make the street a museum. You know, I watched that video like maybe like 
when I first saw it like 20 times. It's wild. It's crazy. See, like a skin flap. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, 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 uh, it's a lot. Anyway, uh, shout out to uh, Penny S. Shout out to you, Penny, for using your pennies haha, to support the Patreon. Thank you very much. Every penny counts. Every penny matters, and we appreciate it. And both metaphorically and literally you, Penny, you matter. Okay? And don't ever forget it. Up next, we got Ray Ray. I love a good Ray Ray name. It feels very down home. feels very Texas. Very, uh, you know, south southern. Feels like smothered biscuits and gravy. So shout out to you, Ray Ray. Keep doing your thing out there. Lastly, we got a shout out to Tara M. T. M hyphen T. She's, she's an M hyphen T. Shout out to Tara M hyphen T. We love you. We support you. And we thank you for supporting us. And that's all we got. All right. Now, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirminators, let's ride. Welcome back. It's my turn to go first. Um, I'm doing a, I believe, well, at least I think it's a very popular story. I'm sure you see, I'm sure if anybody don't know the details of the story, you've definitely seen the video. Uh, uh-huh. This is a story about the um, the shooting of Jeff Doucette. Um, so this is a story about Jody Plowshay and Gary Plowshay. Once I get in, you might not know the names. Might not okay, yeah. I'm, Once I'm, I get into, I don't know like, any of the words. You'll go, you'll go. Oh, I remember. I've I've seen the video. I, I know you've seen the video. Okay, everybody's. I don't know. Just any true crime. So I know you've seen the video. So born on April twenty seventh, nineteen seventy two, Jody Plowshay grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm-hmm. with his parents Gary and June and three siblings. In nineteen eighty three, when Jody was around ten years old, his parents enrolled him and his brothers in a um in a hap keto class. Mm. Uh, run by an ex-Marine named Jeff Doucette. Hapkido. I think that's what uh, Steven Seagal specializes in. Is that under the same umbrella as like jujitsu type? Uh, yeah, it's a defense. It's a defense martial art. Okay. So you're, you're like using their body weight again. It's not like uh, going in and kicking people's ass. They I, need to like would, come at I you. I would love to learn something like that. That's All what def- I would want to do. Just like defense. Just, yeah. like, a, like Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> He's a defensive fighter. I yeah. want to. That's what I want to be. Yeah, I think Capkito is in that in that vein. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I was always scared to do stuff like that because I'm like, I don't want nobody put me in handlocks and shit like that. Passing out, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not into that. Well, you gotta you gotta learn how to defend against those things. You should watch Steven Seagal. You should go go on YouTube and watch Steven Seagal in Russia doing martial arts demonstrations. Is he doing Wranglers? I'm not watching. No, he's he doing it in jeans. a gi. I want, him, doing to, I want a, him to do it in jeans. He's doing it in a gi. He has a a. A jet black ponytail. With a turtleneck on? A jet black goatee. No, he's wearing a gi, like martial I arts. I want to see him in jeans and turtleneck. No, he's not doing that because he's gotten real fat now. And and he it's but it's it's fake. But everybody's clapping. Like they're running up to him and he just goes, <laughs> he just goes, whop, whop, whop. he like just throws them yeah. and they flip around and fall on their back. And he just keeps doing that. He just keeps like they come towards him, he just like throws his hands one way and they flip that way. Mm. And but he's serious. This mm. is a real martial arts demonstration, but I I guess they're big fans of him out there, so they just like boost up his ego. He comes out and does a martial arts demonstration. They pretend like they're getting beat up, and there's like hundreds of people there clapping for him. I it's do the that, most though. psychotic thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I want to do that though. I want to go. I want to do learn defensive fighting. Yeah, just you gotta protect yourself. For I'm not sure. worried about kicking nobody's ass. Yeah, just protect get yourself. you away from me. Exactly. Yeah, I got you. Snap an arm so you can right. alone. Do you think you could do that? Snap somebody's arm? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I could do that at all. Bend it and bend it. No, I'm saying like oh. the willpower to go past the point. Just I, could get, I could get somebody in a fucking I'm, arm bar, but I'm like talk, I'm saying like how to break it though. You you bend it the opposite. I get way. what you're saying of like I understand how to technically break an arm. You just fucking put force on it. I'm yeah. saying, do you think you have the willpower or like the the stomach 
to break somebody's arm. I'm Absolutely. not asking if you know how to do it. I'm yeah, saying, yeah. like, do you think you can do something? Absolutely. Like, I don't think yeah. I can stab somebody. I could. Well, all right. Well, cool. Hey. It depends on what the situation is. You know? Okay. Well, okay. Did you, by the way, did you see that video of that dude stabbing that, that store uh, owner? No, I didn't. I don't watch things like that. Oh, he's, that dude's going to jail. That's not self-defense. I'm sure. Wait, why would it be the self-defense? Because the guy was robbing the store. Oh, it was the store owner. Yeah. He was stab- he stabbing a bunch of, the store owner stabbed the guy that was robbing him a bunch of times? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not, it's not self-defense. Yeah. I get it. You can, you can argue. He was robbing the place, after a point, like. No. Nah. No. It he was, stabbed it him was, like a bunch? Yes. It was insane. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was no, he, that dude was in no uh, life-threatening situation. After like the second stab, I would assume the guy would have probably ran if he no. would have let him up. Couldn't get away. Oh, he like was holding he him down? Him. Oh, wow. Crazy man, it was insane. No, I, don't, anyway. I didn't catch that. Uh, so yeah, Jordy was enrolled uh, at around ten years old, and um, his parents enrolled him in a his brothers in the Hapkido class mm-hmm. run by an ex marine named Jeff Doucette. So at first, Doucette seemed to be a blessing, according to the Washington Post. He whipped the Plouche boys into shape. Under his tutelage, Jody even won a trophy at the Fort Worth Pro Am. So in Hapkido, yeah, okay. Was that's not like I just never heard of Hapkido tournaments. Oh, yeah, that you could win. Well, if you're not in that circle, you don't know. Fair, yeah. So, uh, Plouche said that he's all of our best friend, is what he told a local newspaper at the time. But Doucette has started to pay an inordinate amount of attention to Jody Plouche. Now, remember, it's him and his brothers, yep, right? Mm -hmm. So, you can just by you know, this, but that just by that is like okay, it's getting weird now. Yeah. So he Close was knit. Yeah. So it's like alone you have time. A, exactly. You have wrestling a group of kids, but it's like one you you ironing on. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And you're in that position of like sensei, leader, the yep. mentor yep. type of yeah. Yep. So one day, Doucette asked which of his young athletes wanted to learn how to drive, which is you know. Stepping Weird. outside of the bounds of what you're supposed, you know, a bit irresponsible to be yeah. like in a you know in a like a karate class or whatever. Yeah, to be like so, who wants to drive, huh? Weird. So Plouche, his hand went up, and the lessons begin. Um, and the lessons begin on how to drive a car, mm-hmm. which was, you said, car was a Datsun 280Z, um, to be exact. So it was like, coupe, kind of sporty back in you know in, in the 80s. Sure. Something fun. Yes. So, and once Plouche uh, was, you know, he put, what he did was he put Plouche on, on his lap. Right? How old are these kids? He's 10. Okay. That is important because I was thinking they might be at least close to driving it. These are kids. These, these are these kids. kids. Okay. These wow. Kids. Okay. Oh, uh, so kind of uh, like, uh, you know, uh, trying to like, this, not is, actually, this is super cute if it's yeah, your dad. Exactly. But exactly. it not being your dad, it's not cute. Exactly. Yep. So he put uh, Plouche was on Doucette's knees or his lap, mm-hmm. and then the ten year old felt his karate teacher's hand on his lap. Uh, so Plouche said, "I'm thinking, you know, again, he's ten years old. He mm-hmm. said, I'm thinking, what's going on here? Maybe it's an accident." So I didn't say anything, but now I know he was testing the boundaries. Yep, textbook pedoph- pedophilia. Mm-hmm. They all test boundaries. So if anybody knows the story of Jerry Sandusky, you know, mm-hmm. that big thing that was going on, his thing was Tickle Monster was his, was his, was his, uh, was his, like his move. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh. 
So before long, Doucette's boundary testing turned into outright sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. But Plouchet kept quiet. He said, I think one of, one of the things people really don't understand is why I didn't tell. One, I was 10. Two, what was happening I knew would upset my parents. And three, at the time, I didn't want him to get in trouble. Mm. It was easier for me to keep quiet and shut up than to upset everybody. Mm. It's just, it that's just like, he didn't want to open so that crazy for a kid to have to think about that. Yeah, it's great for a 10-year-old. And you don't want the guy to get in trouble. Yep. Yep. Because it was like, they said, he said like this, that was like our best friend, you know. Yeah. He was like a blessing to us. You know, he helped us, you know, get whipped in shape and everything. He, and then like, you know, by this guy being a pedophile, he was, you know. Manipulative. Ingratiating himself with the family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like so abducted it like, in plain sight. Yep. So like building that rapport with the family, so where he can he can make those type of moves. It's not weird for you to come pick the kid up and take him to your house, and he sleep over at your house because you you come over for dinner all the time. Yep. Yep. Uh. Jody also remembered his dad saying something insane as well. Um, in his words, his dad said, "He said that my dad was absolutely too extreme. You know, as a, as a father, I guess you know they didn't get into the detail with that, but mm-hmm. he said that." Jody said he used to tell people if anybody if anybody ever touches my kid, I'll kill him. Okay. Well, all right, okay. I got a feeling I see where this is going. Yep, and he said I knew that he wasn't kidding. That's why I didn't that's one of the reasons why I, I didn't, didn't tell say anybody. anything. Yep. Mm. So Doucette would stop he would stop practice and send the rest of the kids to a seven eleven for snacks. Oh. And he would say, Not you, Jody. I need to do some extra work with you. Oh and he, uh, and he'll you know lead, you know take him like let's go into the, to the, to the back room. Yeah. Yep. He said these are certain kind of sick manipulations that pedophile coaches use. Jody would come up with all kinds of excuses why he didn't want to go to karate practice. Doucette would show up at his house anyway and drag him off. So Jody would go, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go today, mom or dad, whatever. But he was cool with the parents. He, also. Also, I'm, I'm at to put this. His dad, him, his dad and his mom were divorced, mm. so his dad was like a traveling sales man or something like that. Yeah. So his dad wasn't, the family wasn't together, and he wasn't around yeah. much. So that's also he do set taking advantage of that. Yeah, a dad not being around, taking so father like, role. Yep, Jody's mom would let him go because she thought the coach knew best. Yep. Then in February 1984. Jeff Doucette brought his abuse of Jody to another level. According to the Washington Post, he asked the 11-year-old if he wanted to go to California. Plouchet said yes, and Doucette put his plan to kidnap his karate student into action. On February 19, 1984, Jeff Doucette picked up Jody Plouchet from his house in Baton Rouge. He told Plouchet's mom, June, that he wanted to show the 11-year-old some carpet he was laying and they'd be back in 15 minutes. Like, why? Why would a kid need to see car? Why? Would he, um, why? Maybe he was, they, she thought that maybe he was, like, teaching him something. How to lay carpet. Some or type something. of, I don't know. Skill. skill some skill yeah. to have. Like yeah. a, 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 As you get a older. Type yeah. Of, yeah. So instead, Doucette took Jody on a bus bound for Los Angeles. Doucette shaved his beard and dyed Plouchet's blonde hair black. Wow. Then he checked them both into a motel where he proceeded to molest and rape Jody Plouchet. So Plouchet ended up writing a book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said that in his book, he let he left a lot of stuff out. The book was published in 2019 about his experience. It's called, the book, the, 
The book is called Why Gary Why The Jody Plouche Story. Wow, that's a good title for a book. If you know the video. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That gave me chills. Wow. Um, so he had a conversation with his mom that, you know, I, I, I wanted to read. He said, his mom said, why didn't you put more details in the book? He said, I have to dance a fine line between triggering victims who might be reading the book and having to put the book down and a pedophile reading the book. Getting into it. And going, oh, this is great. Oh. Uh, so he, like he said, he tried to, you know, walk that fine line of putting too much details mm-hmm. in the book. Where tricking like, his victims. Where or, it could be like smut for a pedophile. Exactly. Oh, that's gross. So he did, he, he put in just enough where it's like, you get the point. Yeah. People that's reading the book, you get the point. Oh, that's so crazy to have to but think that's, But that's a, you know, that's a, it's a, a, a smart for you. I've to, never even thought to, about that To think before. something like that and you go, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do I'm that. I'm not going to give them what they want. I'm not going to give them what they want. Exactly. I never even have thought about that being yeah, a, man. somebody describing their traumatic sexual assault yeah. and somebody being like getting off on it. Yeah. I, that's crazy. Yep. Wow. So for 10 harrowing days after the kidnapping, Jordi Plouche's parents searched desperately for their missing son. 10 days. But when Doucette allowed Plouche to place a collect call from Anaheim, California, the police were able to trace the call and bring Jody home. But Gary Plouche knew what he wanted to do. As he heard more and more reports that Doucette had sexually abused his son, mm. a fact confirmed by a rape test, mm. he became determined to take revenge. According to the Washington Post, Gary was having a drink at the bar called the Cotton Club on March 16, 1984, when he overheard a local news executive say that Jeff Doucette would arrive in Baton Rouge that night. When the executive mentioned the exact time, 9.08 p.m., Gary, Gary made a beeline for the Baton Rouge airport. So this man heard that and was like, Tonight's it's the a night. move. It's, this is a move. Yep. Wow. So Jody said, my dad went to the airport and, f- and figuring he was going to die. He said either Jeff or him was going to die that night. So Gary Plouche waited by a line of pay phones. So if anybody's seen the video, you know what I'm, what I'm describing. If not, go check it out. Gary Plouche waited by a line of payphones with a 38 snub nose revolver tucked into his boot. As Jeff, Doucette, Jeff Doucette's plane landed, he called a friend and told them what he was about to do. He said, here he comes, Gary said. You're about to hear, you're about to hear a shot. Gary reached down for the gun, spun around, and fired a hollow point bullet into Doucette's brain from three feet away. It's now, like the video is not funny. No. But it is kind of funny that he it was almost like he had like a glasses and a fake like glasses with a fake mustache on yeah. like he was like he was pretending to be well he wasn't now that you tell me that i thought yeah. he was pretending to be on the phone i thought he was just like was secretly there yeah, yeah, yeah. in disguise like pretending to be on the phone he's like mm. and then it's boom it's scary right you know, yeah, like, yeah. like yep. that's how it looks in the video exactly, it's like yeah he just looked because it's like i think there's like a couple of people using the phones Am I wrong? I don't think so. Is he the only guy? But only it's like a line of phone. payphones. It's a line right? of payphones, yeah. But, so it just looks like a guy on the payphone. Yeah. And then it's like, boom, he comes around sw- real quick, turns around, bam. It's yeah. crazy. It's yeah, so yeah. crazy. Um, so he shot him with a hollow point bullet. I don't know if you're familiar with hollow point bullets. But I'm familiar with the term. I don't really know what that means. Yeah, per se. so they, they talk about him in, uh, when I took my HQL classes, they talk about hollow point bullets, which they are preferred, the preferred use to use for home defense because uh-huh. they, they expand or mushroom up on impact. So they do more damage. So they do more damage. Mm-hmm. And like, say, for instance, say if you get into like 
some type of situation in your house where you need to fire your gun. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't. They don't. Penetra- they don't. They don't penetrate. Got it. Okay. They don't go through and they, through. So they. They, they once they hit, in, they, they, ex- they expand. Yeah. Got so it. it's like won't go through a wall. Hit somebody hit, else. Exactly. Got it. Got um, it. They're more expensive, but they're usually for. I think police use them. I believe, and use them. You're supposed to use them for just home defense. Okay. So again, he he spun around, fired the hollow point into Ducey's brain from three feet away. He then lowered the gun and turned around and hung up the phone, and and everything was caught on TV. So you could see everything on the on the video. And the one of the detectives goes, "Why, Gary? Why?" Yep, yep. Not only did the friend hear the shot, but many people in Baton Rouge saw it. As cameras rolled, capturing Ducey's arrival, Jody's father sprang from his position by the phone booth and shot his. And shot his son's rapist in the head. Mm. Mike Barnett, the sheriff's deputy, leaped at Gary and pinned him down to the wall. Why, Gary? Why did you do it? Barnett shouted as Doucette lay bleeding on the airport airport carpets. <sighs> if somebody did it to your son, you would do it too. Plowshe cried. It was quick too, man. It was oh, like it was, it was he just, sat there and waited. He looked like a it looked like a hit. Like he looked like an assassin. Like, yeah, man. He waited and it was perfectly because he, he saw all the cameras. It was like a perfect. He waited. It was the perfect spot. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, these were all the cameras. There's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he waited Walked there. Right by him. And sat right there on the phones and waited till that guy. And that's crazy, man. So the 25-year-old karate instructor fatally, um, fatally injured died the next day. So Jody Plouche told ESPN that I didn't want him dead. This is three decades, three decades later where he was like, I didn't want him dead. I just wanted him to stop. Yeah. So a judge found Gary Plouche was not a threat to, to the community and sentenced him to seven years on a suspended sentence, five years probation, and 300 hours of community service. So he didn't do a day in jail. No. I'm not mad at that, but also that's also kind of crazy. Yeah. So eventually, Jody Plouche says he came to forgive his father. Um, his father died in 2014. Mm. He said he came to forgive his father, who died in 2014, um, I was able to work through it. I was able to work through it and eventually accept my dad back into my life. And we went kind of back to normal. He told ESPN that it's not right to take someone's life. But when someone's that bad of a person, it doesn't bother you much in the long run. Yeah. So as a, as a kid, you know. It's traumatic. That's it's traumatic. traumatic. But as he got away, he was like. Mm. The, the fucked up part is like there was no. I mean, I guess if he would have went through a trial and gone to prison, I guess that's the best case scenario. But that still would have come with trauma because they might have asked him to go on the yeah. stand. Well, like, he said that he he would. He said multiple times he didn't want he didn't want him dead. But sure, him being in jail would have been. He said that would have been enough. That would okay. been sufficient. For okay, him, well, that's, right? that's coming from the victim's mouth, so I'll take it. But I just in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how you. What's the? I guess that's the most healthy scenario. Yeah. For, compared to him getting murdered, and your your dad murdering him. Now your dad is facing all these punishments and everything, and tears yeah. your family apart because you now your dad's a murderer and a, yeah, for sure the. Dad killing the guy is the worst possible direction to take things. Yeah. But it just is like this kid's been violated no matter what. Like yeah. it's kind of like you can't put the genie back in the in, in the jar, you right. know, like it's, it's just really unfortunate. So Jordy Plouche went on to attend um, Louisiana State University, where according to his website, he started a lifelong pursuit of activism. At LSU, he served on the executive board of Men Against Violence. Upon graduation, he worked at the Victim Service Center of Montgomery County as a sexual assault counselor. As an adult, Plouche also has also spoken out about how parents can protect their children from abusers like Jeff Doucette. 
He said, if someone wants to spend more time with your kids than you do, that is a red, that's a red flag. Yes. That's what he told the um, the advocate. And without you and, you know, like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He said, that's one reason why Jordi Plouche wrote his book. I wanted to give victims hope. He said, I want to give parents knowledge and I want I wanted outsiders to get a general understanding about sexual violence and sexual abuse. I've had parents message me and say, I just finished your book and I learned so much. Gary, um, was his father, doesn't speak, this is before he passed, didn't speak much at all anymore after suffering a stroke four years ago. Mm. But he surely remembers. One day, maybe a year after the murder, uh, he and his son were walking walking along when they saw a man that looked strikingly like Doucette. And Jody was trembling, so it made him, you know, it gave him like flashbacks, just yeah. made him nervous, right? For sure. Uh, he said, wow. He said to his dad, I really thought it was him. And Gary paused a second and said, I knew it wasn't him. <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, he's gone. Long gone. He's gone. He's long gone. So Plouche, uh Gary Plouche, stuff suffered a stroke in 2011. He died in 2014 at a nursing home after another stroke, which was and it was a month before his 69th birthday. So that was the story um, of you know Jody Plouche and his dad killing his his abuser um, Jeff Doucette. Um, like it's very very popular video. When I saw, it, I was like, I've seen it most. I've seen it a you know a while ago. Yeah. I've seen it multiple times, but mm-hmm. I never knew the. You get the headline where it's like, you know, dad kills son, you know, sexual abuse or whatever. But you, mm-hmm. I never knew the actual story. I never knew what went into it. And it's like him being a father, I go, again, killing somebody is, is, is not right. But I can see how a parent can snap. Yeah. We've been, we've been through a conversation like this before. Mm-hmm. But you can see how a parent can snap. And it's like, I got to do something. And this, and this went on for, you know, this went on for, for years. And it's. His son looked up to this guy. Yeah. And his son, this, this guy took advantage of his son. And he was like. Then you, you're divorced. You think exactly. about you're not there. You're like not then there, you right. start, you you think about the, the part you played yeah. in your son going through the situation. Yeah. Like it's a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Also you have to think about like, what if he didn't get, what if he didn't get the, that information about, you know, Doucette. Yeah. It's going to be at this time at the airport. What if he didn't, if, you know. Might have never happened. He or might he might have done it in a way worse scenario, like during right. the trial. You know, it yeah, could have went really differently, you know. Yeah. So it is um, absolutely wild. It is also wild that he never spent any time in in prison, really. No. You know, so. I mean, like, I'm all, like, I get it. Like, yeah, I get the snapping and all that stuff. But, like, he blew a dude's brains out blew his brains on out. camera. Yeah, man. Like. I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like, that's one of those instances where I guess, like, the whole court was like, I mean, you know, the guy was a molester. Yeah. Like, that's really. When he interviewed people. Like, what do they call it? Call them, like, exigent cir- circumstances where yeah. it's like, you got to take that into consideration. It's like, you're really taking that into consideration. He yeah. blew a dude's brains out on television and they gave him seven years with the time suspended. Yeah. And, a, and community service. You interview people and people are like, I did, I did the same thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, but like that's the thing. Like the criminal justice system is supposed to be devoid of emotion. It's like, you know, I'm not saying you should have got life, but you shouldn't. The, the judge shouldn't get to go. Well, I mean, I have kids, and I would have done the same thing. Bap, bap, not guilty. You know what I mean? And they did. He didn't say that, but like, I mean, he didn't do any time. Yeah, just find it interesting. I don't know. 
but I get it at the same time. Yeah. Like, well, that's kind of what I want to ask you anyway. So, but you know, um, what, like, do I, what I, what do I get it or no? I mean, yeah. Like, do you get it? And, and it's, it wasn't the right choice, obviously. Yeah. Like, fucking blows my brains, <laughs> blows my brains out. But another lady, some lady said that the lady that said that she did the same thing. She was like, I would have shot him in the stomach and let him suffer. Then die. Jesus. But this all goes back to the thing. It's like people people can say that, and I get it, and I have never been. There's some circumstances I've never been in. But that whole idea of, like, I would have done this. I would have shot him in both his kneecaps and then took him in a basement and starved him. Like, do you really think you have the stomach to do that? So, you know, people just you sometimes we got to get into a habit of, like, I don't like to. I'm, I'm starting to, like, not just let people say shit in front of me. Like, cause you we like we just let people get away with saying, "Oh God, man, I would have kicked his ass." Like you talk about a bad day you're having or something that happened to you, and people come to you with like what they would have done, and it's always like to make you look dumb. Yeah, you let that guy talk to you that way. Oh man, I would have punched him in his face. Like it's like, would you? I'm start. I don't. I'm starting to not let people just get away with shit like that in front of me. Cause like, no, you wouldn't have. You know. So, oh, he shot him in his head. I would have shot him in the stomach. Like, I just. I don't know if I could just pull the trigger on somebody. I understand we just talked about this crazy circumstance, child molestation is all is horrible and everything like that. But like, I don't know if it just is like a me to just change everything in me to go. I'm gonna go blow a guy's brains out at the airport. Yeah, you know, it's like I get it. I don't have kids, but I understand why he did what he did, and I'm sure he was in a state of like pure anger. Yeah, but like, I don't know if I could just blow some dude's brains out. Like that's absolutely crazy to me. But I think it's easy. I don't have the kid. I think it's easy to say that in a sane mind when you're like, I can't blow anybody. But yeah, like, but when you're gone, when you're gone, and yeah. it's like, that's your that's your seed, bro. It's like somebody did something horrible to your child, mm-hmm. and he was like, a black, I, lo- I just lost it. Yeah, I yeah. completely lost it, and just you do whatever you have to do to protect with to protect yours. And he said, "No, for this dude has to go." Yeah, period. For he sure. has to go. And it's like on live TV, he has to go. Everybody know he has to go. Yes. I want the world to see what happens when you touch my kids. Because you do some shitty disguise on. It's like a hat and like a. It really, (laughs) it really feels like the, the, the dum, dum, dum. Like that's what, if you, if you, if you sync up that sound effect with that video, he was, it was was on the phone. He was like, it was some, some regular ass guy on a pay phone. It was the perfect, Perfect. it was like Hitman. It was like the video game, Hitman. It was, it was. And then once they did it, it was like, Whoever's there's like, oh, I know who this guy. Yeah, I was like, I guess like, of hat course, fall it's off Gary. Some crazy yeah, his toupee fall off. <laughs> his fake mustache like fell off. <laughs> yeah. Like Gary, why, Gary, why? Yeah, yeah, crazy video. But yeah, you know, man. I don't know. Shout out to him. I don't know. Um, yeah, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, kind of get the yuck off of that uh, story, and uh, when we come back, it's my turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, your story also reminded me of something before I jump into mine. Uh, it really reminded me of how I think that to catch a predator is to this day and maybe forever untu- an untouchable moment in television. It really, to see that that side of the world exists and see these people, the way that they're messaging kids and showing up to houses thinking like oh my parents are gone for the weekend i'm 11 and i'm here i'm here alone bring some mike's hard lemonade and come over to my house and have sex with me mm-hmm. and these do so many do the show was like seasons and seasons long yeah. so many people were caught and then you have to think like statistically every single one of those people that came there they go i've never done anything like this before 
there are statistically there some of them are lying. Yeah, which I mean, most of them are lying. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, maybe let's say, sure, let's go with most. Most of them are lying, which means that they've probably molested other kids before, yeah. and this is the first time they're getting caught. Yeah, you know, and it just is so crazy to me that there are people out here like grooming kids and using positions of power, like that dude Larry Nasser, who was like a gymnastics doctor, and you just use these positions to like. And molest kids it's like it's insane to me but then again it's not insane to me because i religiously watch to catch a predator highlights it's one of my favorite things to do because i just and i just get cringed up and just grossed out at the the lines that they use and the logic that they use and just it's some sick fucks out there man it's really sick fucks at the same time though i just don't know if i could just clap somebody at an airport i don't know it's just <laughs> also at the same time that's also a different level of your brain has to go through some transformations to get to there. At least mine would have to. Yeah. It's just not there with me every day. It's some something tragic and traumatic has to happen to for my brain chemistry to get to that point. So just wanted to just touch on that uh, before I jump into my story. Fran, my affirmative murder this week uh, is the story of an incident that happened in New York in 1995. And um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. Um, my sources were NBC New York, and the New York Times, a lot of New York publications were my sources. So at around 1 a.m. on November 26, 1995, Harry Kaufman was working overnight uh, in, the Bro- in a Brooklyn subway station, and he was attacked in an attempted robbery. Like security or something? No, he was like the token, like to get the pass to get on the subway. Okay. So he's like the guy in the booth, and you yeah. give him, you know, to get your pass, like your, your Metro pass, I guess, today, but... They called them tokens in the 90s. They used tokens in the 90s. Uh, when the attack failed because they couldn't get into the booth, mm-hmm. the assailants poured gasoline through the slot of the booth where Harry would, you know, hand the tickets back to people and, you know, take money and everything like that. They poured gasoline through that slot and struck a matchbook while Harry pleaded, don't light it. Yeah. They then lit, you know, lit the whole matchbook and threw it in the crack and the, the booth exploded into flames. Shit. And Harry ran out, you know, engulfed in flames. Mm. And, you know, the married father of two died two weeks later. So he, you know, suffered wow. some very severe burns and ended up being critical. And he died two weeks later. The vicious attack gained media attention for many reasons, one of which being the resemblance of the attack to a movie that had just been released a few days prior called Money Train. I don't, you probably haven't seen Money Train, but it's starring Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson and Jennifer Lopez is in it. And they're like cops. And there's a scene in Money Train where an arsonist. Does the exact same thing. Like it looks it, like I haven't, I mean, I haven't, there's no footage of what happened to Harry, but if you watch the money train scene, I couldn't see it looking much different than what happened in money train. And so a lot of people speculated that whoever did this attack maybe had went to go see money train and emulated the attack. So was it like, was it like behind glass? Well, he yeah, did, it was behind did, like a glass. So he and you're poured like, it through like one of the, the holes. Slit, like the slit where you would go, here's your ticket. Uh-huh. Give me $20 and then you get an all day pass to get on the train. Yeah. They, sque- they squeezed gasoline in through that crack. A and lot? They, it had to be a lot, Oh, right? yeah. I mean, enough to it, a major flame that killed somebody happened. So, yeah, they, you know, but it was one of those situations where he was being attacked and robbed. So he didn't want to come out of the booth. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah, people yeah. are out there and he. You know, so he had to just kind of make that decision. And then they, they struck the match and lit it on fire. So he was stuck in there. That seems like one, that's like the most cruel and evil thing ever. Yeah. But, but to follow through with it is nuts. Yeah. One of the, one of my friends that I grew up with that we used to play football around the way passed away like five years ago. 
Because he got into a fight and the guy lit him on, lit fire? Him on fire. Yeah, man. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, man. Shit was crazy. That's insane. That's wow. insane. Wow. Yep. Man. So, yeah. So, um, Harry Kaufman, uh, you know, he succumbed to his injuries two weeks later. And, you know, there was a lot of people that were saying that maybe the Money Train movie inspired this attack because mm-hmm. it looked so similar to a scene from the movie. Um, and That's then, so scary, man. It's yeah. like you get some get just a little a, a dab of gasoline on you, and that match you get cause, close enough, you can cause extreme chaos. <sighs> mm. So then, Senate Majority Leader and Republican presidential hopeful Bob Dole took to the Senate floor to call for a boycott of this movie, Money Train. Mm. And again, this movie is like an innocuous '90s action movie. Yeah. It, it, it's not some snuff film. This that scene isn't even particular. Like nobody dies in the in the scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. It just because of what happened. It could. I could see how you could lead to think that somebody saw this scene and was like, "That'd be a cool way to." Because what happened in the in the movie in the movie Money Train, the guy goes to rob this thing because you know I guess they take cash all day, the ticket taker person of the subway. So basically, he squeezes gasoline in through the thing and goes, "Give me all the money in there right now, or I'm gonna light you on fire." Yeah, and then she does, and then he still lights the thing on fire. But Wesley Snipes comes and he saves her. So I could see how you could go as a person, especially if you're trying to gain political points, you go, this guy was attacked. Yeah. They might have done the same. They might have said the same thing. Like, we're robbing you. Either give us the money or we're going to light you on fire. Yeah. And he didn't give them the money, though. And then they lit him on fire. Mm. But he also might have not even had. That's just like, maybe there's no money in there. Like, you know, like, I don't know if he was necessarily not giving them the money. It just is like, it's a subway station, man. How much money do you think is in here? Yeah. Like do you like do you think people are gonna go, especially if it's like they're working for another business for them to go? I don't have yeah. That's like I'll go, give it to I yeah. wouldn't give it to you if I had it, man. It's just, it's just nothing here. I saw that's and that's I saw a video. It happened. It happened last week. There was a guy who I think he owned the gas station, but like dudes pulled up in a BMW SUV with assault weapons mm-hmm. to rob a uh, like a a quick trip. Yeah, and when the guy the first guy went in, the guy already had his gun out. I guess he saw him pulling up. And he shot the guy in the shoulder, and he ran, and they all oh, got I saw that. and they all yeah, drove yeah, off. I but it's that. like, why do you guys have ski masks and assault weapons to rob a, a liquor store? Like, how much Christ. money do you think is going to be in this gas station? Wow. It's just, cra- it's just crazy to me. But it's desperate times, I guess. Got his arm blown the fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, man, he was screaming and stuff. I don't, yeah. even, I don't think his arm got blown up. That, but he, if, no. I'm bet it felt, but like it felt like it. Like it yeah, slug hit you. Yeah. Yeah, it's that slug hit you. He's like, my arm is off of my body. It's like it's not. I guess it's on video. Yeah, man, <laughs> he's still attacked. shit just hurt. That's yeah, that shit is bad. So anyway, so authorities uh, for the next few years would give mixed signals over uh, whether they believe that the film inspired the killings or not. And, when, you know, we still live in this world today. Like, you know, they'll take something, a scene from a movie. Yeah. You know, this, they're making the kids gay. They're making the kids kill people. School shootings. Like, and I, I've, I kind of I volley on. movie school shooting. Oh, you remember that movie? There was a movie a couple of years ago. Like, it wasn't a school shooting, but there was a movie a couple of years ago. That like was a really graphic movie on Netflix. I think it was called Rampage. Yeah, man. And it was that a dude was that just insane. went and killed everybody. That in the shit, ta- you know. Speak. That was one of the craziest. And it movies. wasn't. It didn't necessarily go like this. Dude's crazy or like how how bad. It just was like look at this violence. This was the time where I I didn't have this is this is when I was free when I have I didn't have kids or anything. Uh-huh. So I was just watching shit. Yeah. That movie was the, it's the dumbest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. But it was like. Now looking back at it, you go. It's it was irresponsible. Like, it was irresponsible. And it was first person. 
That was the craziest part about it. Yeah. It was a it gave you a first person. The police view. weren't it wasn't the police trying to catch this guy. It no. was just like you're following this guy that's being like, I'm gonna fucking kill a bunch of people today. Man, it was a it first, was a really irresponsible movie. It was a first I don't even know if that who movie, know, who I don't knows know if you still what it inspired. Who knows? I I'm bet sure you, I'll bet you can't watch it. On on Netflix. I bet no, Netflix took it off. Go- oh, yeah. But for people that don't know, it was a first person view of a guy just going into like yeah. a street and massive oh, it was insane. He had it. It's so embodied of equipment. It was it was the craziest movie I've seen. Yeah. Man. That shit was wild. So man. to see that from a view of a a madman, yeah. it was insane. It was only from his it perspective. Was it was it no was other perspective. There was nobody trying to catch him. There was no like lesson really. I don't I even know. all about that goddamn. Yeah, movie. it was a really fucked up movie. So I volley on because we have we've had this discussion so many times about yeah. music and movies and video games and if it can poison kids, if it's doing things that are detrimental and it's like I flip flop, and I think yeah. it's maybe situational, but I don't know anymore. Like I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, because I think about that movie, and it's like that movie's so graphic. Like I don't. They came out with a second one. Yeah, so I can't say that media is doesn't hold some kind of responsibility about what they are showing people. So, but this is innocuous to me. Even though it happened, it wasn't like this. Money Train didn't have some irresponsible scene that nobody should see. It just was, you happen to see something. It'll be like watching Ocean's Eleven, and then somebody took a plan from Ocean's Eleven and actually robbed a bank. It's like, should you ban Ocean's Eleven? It's a movie. It's just a movie. But when we're talking about this movie Rampage, that was a completely irresponsible movie. Anyway, so police canvassed the city for suspects and eventually came to question Vincent Ellerby, James Irons, and Thomas Malik. During the questioning, Irons confessed that he was acting as a lookout and he implicated Malik and Ellerby as the men who torched the toll booth. From their arrest on, Ellerby and Malik maintained that they had been coerced into a false confession, with Malik saying that, the, that Detective Louise Scarcella had screamed at him and slammed his head into a locker. Scarcella testified that he cursed, pounded the table, and was trying to scare the 18-year-old Malik, but didn't beat him. At the time, Scarcella was a star Brooklyn homicide detective in a city reeling from crime, which apparently gave him some kind of freedom to bend or break the rules at the time mm-hmm. in the pursuit of a conviction. Like, if you're the guy that's always getting convictions, they, they really depicted that super good in uh, We Own This City. The guy that plays the Punisher in the Marvel movie, like yeah. the, the main, he played Wally, whatever, the main guy of the Gun Trace Task Force. Mm-hmm. He, was getting, he was getting arrests. He was finding drugs. He was putting dope on the table. And so he had this leeway in the police force. Everybody just kind of let him get away with stuff. They, you know, he could bend the rules. He could jump the line because he was he was he was making arrests happen. And when you're that guy, you get a leeway. People go, "Oh man, he punched me." They go, "Don't even worry about that, man. You do what you got to do to get the convictions, and we'll we'll take care of anybody saying you beat him up or you were too rough or you didn't give them something to drink. We'll handle that part. Yeah. Just make sure you get the conviction." Yep. And so he fell into this category, and he found three kids. He got them to confess. And then later on, they said, no, he kind of, he, fa- he made us say that. And they're like, whatever. Sure he did. You're convicted. You know, like you confessed. So the three teenagers, Ellerby, Irons, and Malik, were eventually convicted of second-degree murder and were sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Five years later, in 2000, Detective Scarcella retired. He has denied any wrongdoing. While more than a dozen convictions in his cases have been overturned, Prosecutors have stood by scores of others, so they have gone in and looked at his a lot of his cases in his, in his uh you know that he's you know gotten arrests on, mm-hmm. found that there was criminal con you know misconduct in some kind of way or lying or perjury or whatever, and then the 
the department is still backing up and saying, yeah, but that's like only a couple of them. Not all of them are like that. Yeah. Which I guess maybe, yeah, some of them he did by the book, but like it calls into question every arrest this guy's ever done. If, yeah. you, can, if, you, if you find one, let alone seven, eight, nine, ten, you got to go, you got to go through all of them. You might have a bunch of people that are in wrong, wrongfully incarcerated, you know, but they go, no, nah, you, you guys found all of the ones. You found the seven. So that's it. All of the other ones we stand by. These are all fine. After almost 20 years, after questions accumulated about Scarcella's tactics, the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office began in 2013 to review scores of cases that he had worked on. Its review found that Scarcella and his partner fed important details about the crime scene to James Irons, the guy that said he was the accomplice. Details that prosecutors later used at trial to argue that his confession was so specific that it had to be true. Mm. So they fed him things that he did not know. Yeah. And then in court said, if he knows that, it had to be him. Yeah. But he only knows that because you told it to him. So, for instance, he said he had been able to see his supposed accomplices jump into a getaway car, even though it was parked a block away from the train station and around a corner. Ellerby, who is now 44 years old, was paroled in 2020. Arrested in 1995, paroled in 2020. They were 17 and 18 years old. Damn. Life stole. All that life, yeah. He was paroled in 2020. And keep in mind, he was the guy that said, I was the accomplice. I didn't actually do anything. And they still, it didn't give him any kind of, he had to do a whole lot of time. It yeah. didn't give him any kind of leeway. He got no immunity or anything. He, had to, he was in jail from 95 to 2020 and was released on parole. But Malik and Irons, who are both now 45 years old, had remained in prison until July of this year when a judge dismissed the murder convictions of Vincent Ellerby, James Irons, and Thomas Malik after Brooklyn District Attorney Eric Gonzalez cited serious problems with the evidence on which these convictions were based. He pointed to doubts about the men's confessions and problems with the witness identifications. In a press release, Gonzalez stated, the findings of an exhaustive years-long investigation of this case leave us unable to stand by the convictions and acknowledge the harm done to these men by the failure of, the, of our system. 20-plus years, bro. Stolen. Now, this just happened, so I'm assuming they're going to sue, and I'm assuming they're going to win yeah. some kind of money, but like we've had this discussion before as well. Like, What kind of monetary gain or what monetary value can you place on 20 years of your life being stolen? You went to prison when you were 17. You missed out on really like dating, having a family, getting a career like traveling all these things are just snatched from you all of a sudden you pop out of prison at 45 years old and you have to readjust to maybe your mom passed away your brothers and sisters are like way older and have kids yeah. and grandkids and all all this life was lived and you got to see all this life that these people got to live and you just get spit out of this system that fucked you and wrongfully stole 20 years of your life what how much money how much money can you what check can you give me you know, it's wild. And you don't, I don't have any financial literacy. Like, I don't even know how to do, what to do with this money. I don't even know how to handle money. a teenager money. to a I was 17. As adult, yeah. I'm 17 years old now. I'm 45. You give me $5 million. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything. They get taken advantage of. Yep. All their family is like, well, you got $5 million now. Help us out. Yep. We haven't seen you for so long. We had to, we had to learn how to survive without you. Hit us off. I'm not trying to villainize anybody's no, family, but it happens. All of that. It happens. You know, people this come. You come see me. Also, I did a story. I remember I did a story last year. A guy got out of prison, got the money from one of these, you know, uh, civil suits against the city, and he met a guy that was like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a financial consultant." Yeah, he took all his and money. And he stole his money. So anyway, uh, a quote from one of the gentlemen involved. It was um, Thomas Malik. He said, "They knew the truth all along, but they withheld it 
deliberately and intentionally. Uh, Thomas Malik said that believing that the police prosecutors, the police and prosecutors were responsible for the trio's imprisonment, which they were. So he has every right to believe that. Brooklyn prosecutors reexamination of old convictions is widely viewed as one of the most ambitious of its kind. In New York and around the country, such efforts have become more common over the last 15 years as DNA evidence, a growing body of research on false confessions and other factors have made some prosecutors feel compelled to become more open to investigating wrongful conviction claims. I'm so glad, man, as a, as a kid, I wasn't like. Dumb and in reckless those situ- in those situations. Yeah, because you just like, could do some dumb and reckless shit that's just dumb kid stuff, black. but be in the wrong place, and yeah, then man. a murder happened around the corner, yeah. and they go, "Well, you were lighting off firecrackers and breaking windows, so maybe you killed somebody too." And yeah, we're gonna man. focus in on you and yep. make sure that it looks like it was you that did it. That fucking uh, what was it? Uh, home? What was that movie? Long shot. Long shot, man. Bro, I live my life that by that shit. movie, bro. Yeah, bro. Oh, he just happened to do enough things to look that. Like he did something. Yeah. And if. So were you a penny? Like, I was going out to eat or something like that. It's like. Sure you were. <laughs> my daughter lives around the corner from that place and I just was dropping her off. That's why my cell phone pinged there. All right. And Larry David just so happened to be filming an episode Larry of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I, will t- I, will, I will tell him. Oh, I'd be, I'd be I telling everybody. everybody that. That's the best show ever. I would recommend that show to everybody. I would take Larry David every day. This is the best show it. ever. And they should do it multiple seasons. It would be my favorite show. Yeah. I'd be the number one Larry David fan. <laughs> So um, a lawyer for the now free trio stated that this is no longer about one or two bad apples. This is about a systemic rot. I thought that was a really powerful quote. Yeah, man. I just, it's like we hear these stories and it's like the guy who got away. He just got just, away. Just got away. And he might have been a serial arsonist. He could have started, lit some more fires up. Who knows? You know, who knows? That's fucking Who knows insane, what happened, man. you know? But um, yeah, so um, salute and congratulations to... James Irons, Vincent Ellerby, and Thomas Malik. Um, they got twenty plus years of their life stolen. Twenty plus years, man, and, and I hope I, they sue the city for as much as they can get. Yeah, because what I thought was not that that makes it better. Because it threw me off. Because I'm like, if he, why would they give him that time for an an accomplice? That, exactly. It's like that's what an accomplice who cooperated, even if it was all false. He did as much time as they all did. I, so I thought I thought like he, he didn't was even like get anything out of it. Was like, and he was just like, I was there, but I didn't do it. But it's like, but that's definitely still, what he said. They were still pinning it on him. It was one of those kind of things. I can't. There's some law and it's, it's state to state, but um, I think Texas has this law, and I guess maybe New York has it too. Where it's like, if you were there, you did. You it? did it. That's crazy. You you drove the car. You were in the house, and somebody shot a guy. Even if you did it. Even if it's like you all did it. Even if it's murder, not on your, you know I mean, what I mean, your hands. You didn't do it. You didn't pull the trigger. You didn't light the match. You didn't do anything. But you were you were involved in the scheme. You were there. Murder, second degree murder charge for you as well. Everybody gets second degree murder charge. No uh, accomplice to a second degree second degree murder. Everybody gets second degree murder charge. So maybe New York is the same way, because it's crazy to me that he complied, even if he was forcefully, you know, made to comply, and he didn't get. He didn't get seven years and they got 25. Like, he got out just two years before they did. He got out in 2020. And then, I mean, they didn't get out. Their conviction was overturned. But he got out in 2020 just from living life, from serving his sentence. And they got out because the conviction got overturned. So he got out on parole, I guess. I guess he got parole. But he still had to serve 20 plus years before he could get parole. So they might not have ever. So I guess that was his benefit that he got. He got the possibility of parole. 
because I don't think they would have gotten paroled if the conviction wasn't overturned. They probably would still be sitting in prison for the rest of their lives, which is intense. And that's a hell of a time to like um, to and it's happened in '95, right? Yeah. To go in in '95, I mean, like how the world has changed. Oh yeah, 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 drastically. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Yeah, like I mean, cell phones were giant bricks that didn't do anything but make phone calls, and now you come out and like you need a cell. You, I guess there are people. Maybe if you're an established person, you know, who has a lot of money, you don't need a cell phone like a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going back to flip phones, but like, that's making a big. De- you're making a big decision. Yeah. To do that because like I need my emails. I need. Yeah, there's things I need. need yeah, I yeah. need it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not just uh, oh, I like to have a cool phone. Like there are things that I do on this phone that I need to be able to do. Like if I had to, if I was going to a minimalist type of situation, I'm I'm established. I have I have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. Yeah. I don't need I, I have need. like people that handle these things for me. Yeah. I don't have that. So Soft I need degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need to be able to like make art for the podcast. I need to be yeah. able to check my emails. Like to just have a fucking razor phone in twenty twenty two, you're rich. <laughs> yeah. I or you see. have no response you're like you're like a irresponsible person. Yeah, I did see that uh not to get off topic, I did see we it was a tweet where it was like our our generation, like uh-huh. me and you, is so unique because we were before the technology boom. Yeah. And, and we're in it and as after, well. And we're in it. And we see how it is. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I remember a time when I didn't have a cell phone, yeah. but I also didn't have half the responsibilities that I have today. But, but I have two kids. It was like, they were, when they were able to hold, to use a phone, Max is two and he not uses my phone. Yeah. So he doesn't even, as he gets older, it's like, oh, I've always. A smartphone has just always, always been a thing. <laughs> oh, I don't even know any uh, Y'all world. didn't have this? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, no. I like one of the funny videos I saw because I'm, uh, I'm not off topic. That's the other okay. thing. So we're just talking. Um, rest, like I said, again, rest in peace to Harry Kaufman. And, and this wasn't like this wasn't like a um, um, what is the what is the the nonprofit um organization? This wasn't a um, oh uh, um uh, innocence project. Yeah, this wasn't no. Okay, no, this was like um the district attorney in New York. They just, just they just went and looked, they reinvestigated this guy who was the. The um the detective they went and looked at some of his old cases and yeah. were like there's something here is he still alive yeah I probably believe so but he he maintains that he didn't he didn't do anything wrong <laughs> so but yeah um there's a funny video of uh, adults asking their kids like how do you hold a phone yeah and like if you're over eighteen you do the thumb and the finger yeah, yeah. thumb to the ear finger to the mouth but all the kids do a hand. Mm, like a palm palm to your whole face that's crazy they just don't even know what that uh, hanging the yeah clicking a phone on the receiver they just don't even have any concept of it so you i couldn't even imagine these kids today like that whole this there's a movement of getting flip phones like going minimalist i don't even think these kids like if you're under the age of 20 what are you you making like smartphones into flip phones now as well yeah like they have that razor the razor phone came back but it's it's still a smartphone like it flips but it's still a smartphone yeah there are people getting like Old T-Mobile uh, GHX149s, like fucking a flip phone that has, mm. you have to do like QWERTY keyboard. That's you got to press one seven times yeah. to get to the letter, all that shit. I'm like, for why? You Nostalgia just because, no, because they're like, I'm unplugging from, I'm unplugging from the Matrix, man. These phones are, we're zombies. I hate that. It's I'm pretentious. Sorry. It's just I pretentious shit. It's, it's all pretentious shit. shit. It's like, no, nah, man, you guys are just, you guys are slaves and I'm not being a slave. That's why I got a Nokia uh, brick phone. I can't stand that. Yeah, it's like me. fuck. Shut up. You know, I get it. I want to be different. Fine. You yeah, need to tell that's people. what it is. It's like yeah, you just, that's how. That's what. It, that's all it is. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm. I want to really bring attention to myself. I'm not getting enough attention, so I want people to know I don't do what you guys do. Yeah. Like I don't even have an Instagram. 
Like, I don't even have this. I don't even have that. I just don't have it. Like, just, you know who's the cool people? The ones that just don't have it and don't, and they don't, don't need to tell it. people yeah. that they don't have it. You know, <laughs> just, just don't have it. You don't need to tell people like, oh, man, I don't even get caught up in those kinds of things. So, oh, oh, Instagram? Oh, I don't have one. Yeah. I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped it? So you reached out to my conversation. You're taking, you're taking a picture of your family, like, just, just for your own person. Like, oh, you're taking that for Instagram? Pfft. I don't even have one of those. Like, I didn't ask you. I don't know you. And I know I'm not. I'm taking a picture of my family because I love them. <laughs> Will I post it on Instagram? Maybe. That's my business. <laughs> I don't care if you don't have an Instagram. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes. It's time for some good vibes. Fran, I think I go first. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. So I'm going to kick things off with the story of a triumphant little hero. Um, so a seven-year-old from Sacramento, California, was the unlikely savior of a three-year-old toddler who would have certainly drowned without his help. Last week, seven-year-old Messiah Brown went down to enjoy the pool at the apartment complex where he lives when he noticed something out of the ordinary. He said, I was just playing in the pool, and then I saw a boy at the bottom of the pool. Messiah, a second grade student, told Good Morning America, and he said, I went in to get him. Swimming down into the six feet of water, he grabbed the arm of the three-year-old toddler, whose eyes and mouth were open, and managed to pull him to the surface where he, where a relative of Messiah's nine-year-old, all these kids, where's the adults? Where a relative of Messiah, a, a nine-year-old Savannah, helped them both onto solid ground. Like uh, baby geniuses or something like that. A uh, name he got. Messiah. Yeah, he is literally the Messiah. He saved somebody. Yeah, he's the Messiah. So adults who had caught wind of the of what was happening had called nine one one and raced down to help. Where, where were they? Why weren't they at the? Well, never mind. So it's good. It's a good vibes. According to ABC, Savannah's mom performed CPR on the child who was helped who was helped to breathe again by the same fire and rescue that arrived. Uh, the child was transported in critical condition with advanced life support uh, efforts provided by Sacramento firefighters. This is according to a spokesperson from the Sacramento Fire Department. Messiah's father, Marcus, an Olympic boxer who represented the United States at the 2012 Olympics in London, said his son loves the water and swims like a fish, but that despite the surprise, it really typed it really typed it really typed who Messiah is. I don't I don't know what that means. Anyway, he's super empathetic for so so for him to do something like that. I mean, it's nothing out of the norm. It's just crazy that he's seven years old and he's doing something like that. Absolutely crazy and, and really unbelievable. So uh, shout out to Messiah for being a hero, jumping into action and saving a three year old. And shout out to his cousin Savannah, who was there to give them the assist. And I uh, shout out to the adults, I guess. I, Watch kids around pools, man. It's really making me uncomfortable, kids swimming. I don't really like it. And then you see those babies getting thrown in the pools. I hate those videos so much. Yeah, man. But I guess that kid should have, they should have had that kid do, that three-year-old should have had some swimming lessons. Get your kids swimming lessons, people. You know, you never know. Some kid could fall in. It could get really bad. So that's a good skill set to have. Anyway, that was my good vibe story. Shout out to Messiah. Messiah Brown. Uh, My good vibe is kind of change my I, the one i wanted the one <laughs> i was going to do is not really a good vibe to me okay really to me all right because i think it's all bullshit but okay um, i'm gonna just do it because some people just you know, like this type of stuff okay <clears throat> so my good, good vibe is setup. about <laughs> is uh among the great fossil beds of the world oh my God. 
the world. China is up there. We don't need to hear you be like, we don't need to hear you be condescending about dinosaurs. What? Go ahead. Just keep going. Okay. Nowhere else on the earth can boast as many fossilized dinosaur uh, footprints. Mm -hmm. However, people might expect to find them in a remote desert, not among the tables of a courtyard eatery in a modern city. Mm -hmm. Footprints belong to a pair of sauropods. which is a uh, giant long neck dinosaur like brontosaurus that rivaled la- large whales mm-hmm. for their length and weight. Like Littlefoot. Sure. Found in a restaurant in Lashan, Sushin Providence, the establishment had been made atop farmland where the prince had been buried under soil. So there's a restaurant in China mm-hmm. where, in their like courtyard area where they eat. Yes. You're rolling. Are, you don't need to roll your eyes, man. You don't need to roll dinosaur your footprints. Yeah. You know, uh, at a couple of tables, which is crazy to me. So it's like I don't think you that's guys what they didn't know. I don't know. You guys didn't know these dinosaur prints were there. I think sure. it was deeper than underneath of the tables. Uh, sure. I think they probably had to go a little deeper than sure. that. Or they put them there. They could have just. They could have put them there. Three D. You could three D print those things mm-hmm. and put them right. Go, oh, look! This is so cool. It's how you come to our restaurant. Come to our restaurant. You yeah. make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. It's how you. Nathan, for you. you, you do like yeah. A, yeah I'm, we're gonna make it look like there's dinosaurs have been to this restaurant. 600 something year, million years ago or when, wherever this happened. Mm-hmm. So Lita Zing, a paleontologist and associate professor at the China University of Geoscience, told USA Today reporting on the story that that he and his team confirmed the existence of the footprints via 3D scans of the floor. Uh, of the floor. Mm-hmm. They were believed to have been made 100 million years ago. Yeah. 100 million years ago. That location was there 100 million years ago, man. 100 million years that ago. That spot existed, like where that spot is, where we're standing right now existed 100 million years ago. 100 million years ago. 100 million years ago. Come I, on, man. What? What is it? What? You know how long that is? No, I can't even fathom it. But and you telling me? And you telling me? What? Dinosaur fossils and footprints are lasting that long. Yeah, man. I don't really know what, I don't know what to tell you, man. They get preserved by the dirt and the shit, earth. Man. It's all full of shit. It's I'm all not, bullshit. I, I, I'm, I'm not here it's to all convince bullshit. you. I'm, not, I'm done with this convincing of you. The you. last era of dinosaurs before the Earth was struck by an asteroid, <laughs> quote unquote, uh-huh. around 65 million years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And said these animals were 26 feet tall and 12 meters in length. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, we went to the it's museum crazy. and I said, like, but whales are this big and that you were like, so what? Yeah, so what? What about it? So animals can be that big. There are creatures that are that big. But there are whales now, though. Whales are still swimming around. What's your point? I'm just saying you keep saying, oh, apparently they were 12 feet long and 30 feet wide. Walking around is insane. I don't know why that's the thing that is is not easy for you to believe. Like, so because whales swim, that's not crazy that they're that big to you? No. All right, cool. Well, then, hey, hey, man. Yeah. You finish your thing. I'm done. I'm not... I'm not having these conversations. That was it. That was okay, a cool. restaurant has. Well, that's cool. That's fun. These, I guess that's uh, fun. Fun for them that they have that that they found that these buried uh, footprints of dinosaurs hundred million years ago. Hundred, yeah. hundred, not a hundred years ago. Yeah, a hundred million it. years ago. I don't know why that's so hard for you to believe that that's a thing. Things have been before you, and things will be after you. Time, time is no. But serious, on a serious note, uh-huh. you telling me mm-hmm. at some point in time, yeah, there were these creatures that were walking around. That's what I'm telling you. With Crazy sharp teeth, low arms. Yeah, uh huh. Just all, all variations, wings, 
Some of them had fur. Yeah. Come on, man. Big teeth. You don't believe that. Sharp teeth. I know you don't believe that. Not sharp teeth. Some of them are herbivores. I know you don't believe that. It's okay. It's it's okay to try to be like everybody else want to believe the cool story. <laughs> is that what's yeah. ha- is that what you think is happening here? I, yes. I'm just going along with the herd yeah. that dinosaurs existed. Yeah. Okay. Hey man. I'm not doing this with you anymore. Ever again. So you know uh, I'm right. Hey, all right, man. Uh, you right. watch anything everybody, good lately? Um <laughs> I started oh. watching Keep Breathing. It's a movie on Netflix. It's a about movie? A, uh it's like a it's like a um limited series. It's this lady in it and she her plane crashes. She gets on a plane with these these drug smuggler guys. Mm. The plane crashes. Now she's has she has to survive on uh, like an island. An island. Oh, okay, cool. So it's a survival show. Yeah, that sounds so interesting. Um, yeah, but it's it's a lot of uh, she had a lot of the flashbacks. It's like oh, yeah, a lot sure of, to show how she got to being on a plane with drug dealers. I would assume. No, just like where she was going, and like mm-hmm. just like. I guess you've been stranded out there for you know however long because mm-hmm. now she's just trying to figure. Now it's just like nine days to so get. She got to like market on like a yeah stick. Try to not lose your mind. Yeah, so it's like, but she just like it's a lot of like flashbacks of like the guy. I guess the guy she was going to see. She was pregnant and mm. it's all that kind of stuff. But it's crazy, man. To to has to think quickly. Yeah. Oh, life or death. Life or death is like yeah, you got to yeah. learn how to fire. It's one part not to ruin it. If you spoiler, but anyway. There was a part where when she first got there, and I go, the first thing I said to Steph was, "Go watch all them bears." And then like, oh, it's like a wooded, a wooded island. Yeah, after like after like episode two, a bear. There's a bear popped up, and the guy that she's tried to save out of the airplane, he ended up dying because he had like a piece of metal in his leg, mm. so he ended up bleeding yeah, out. Dying. No, nobody can help. And him. she had to from the water. She had to yell because she she actually tried to go back to the plane. She had to she swam down, got some stuff, mm. and it was a bear at the body. The bear ate her last little bit of like candy and was about to tear that body up. And she was like, no, splashing the water. And just because like she liked him or I don't know. Was he alive still? No, he was dead. Oh, he was dead. She just didn't want him she to eat, his, to eat her friend. And then the bear went off. I would have let that bear devour you. You're dead. Yeah, man. I mean, we bring, bring you back. I don't know yeah. what we're getting. That's off what this I island. thought. I don't like. Yeah, have at it. Not, not it's me. Not, yeah, it's this. <laughs> Please get full. Yeah, take take your time. Have but yeah, this shows like that. I, I I go. I don't know if I can. I don't know, man. Oh, you know what you need to watch? Alive. The soccer team crashes their plane. Is that with the ball? No. Oh, that's what's that? Castaway. Oh. This is a whole soccer team. How you doing? Like, I was talking about. I just know. I just know. <laughs> it's been a long time, man. I just know. Uh, so the the soccer, the soccer team crashes the plane. <laughs> In like the a mountain of snow, and it's cold. That that adds a whole new element to it, because mm. being stranded and hungry is one thing, but then yeah. you got to try to stay warm. Yeah, and you know some of them survived and some of them didn't. And people would freeze to death. And there was a whole soccer team. They just had to try to survive until somebody they found each them. other. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that. And they said we'll never discuss this. I think they used to play. We they played in a school for us one time. I think, like, I I think it was one. Of, it might have been like a, an L, a, an English literature yeah. book that we read, and they show us the movie. But anyway. I watched Prey. Okay, it's on Hulu. It's uh, the Predator. It's uh, the new Predator movie. You know the Predator movies, Alien versus Predator, oh, yeah, yeah, Dreadlock, yeah, yeah. Predator. Yeah. yeah, it's a new Predator movie, but it takes place in America in the 1700s. It is based around Native Americans. Oh shit! And it's really good. The lead actress in that is fantastic, and it's like a really good action movie. It's a cool, fresh take on those Predator movies because they got a little stale when they had like. 
Alien versus Predator. It started getting too crazy. Now it's just go back. It goes back to bare bones. Like this is a this is a predator who likes to hunt things, and somebody has to try to stop it. Mm. And it's like no big spaceships and crazy whatever. It's just like the the predator has dope technology and cool weapons, and it's that this predator versus humans. And it's just like cool fights and stuff. Like, oh, um, I see that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so shout out to Prey. It was a good one. And um, I'm continuing to see the growing uh, love and appreciation is slowly taking over the world. The rehearsal. I'm every week. Oh, okay. I'm seeing more and more people talk about it. Yeah, it's a phenomenon. Everybody should be watching the show. Um, they come they, out on Sundays, right? It comes out on Sundays. But if you have HBO Max, the new episode comes out on Saturdays. Oh, they just, I, they okay. just drop I'm, it. I'm too behind then. Yeah, Nathan Field is a genius. This show is insane bro the third episode like the the part two of the second episode is wild what he does to this dude Ooh. is it part two yeah because it's two parts you know the lady wants to have a baby oh okay i didn't okay. that one ends on a cliffhanger gotcha. and then okay, the second I, I, yeah i'm too behind so yeah and then that actually that one like might be the main one for the whole show, the whole season but then he goes off and does other rehearsals while he okay. still goes back to live with this lady and gotcha. raise a baby yeah so the third episode the rehearsal he does with this dude is it's insane and the guy he like gets this emotion out of this guy, like makes the guy cry. It's it's ins- he's a sociopath. I can't believe that they gave him money to make this television show, but I'm so happy that they did because it's a fantastic show. Yeah. So Prey on Hulu and the rehearsal on HBO Max, two fantastic uh, things that I've watched recently. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Have you seen the girl in the picture? Have you seen that? I started watching it, but I was only half watching it, and it was one of those things where I got to start it over because I was like not paying attention. I looked up and it was like. She wasn't who she said she was. She was married to her father. I was yeah. like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to run it back because I, I was only half watching okay. it. So I got to. Because I want to watch that. I got to start it over and like really pay attention because it was. Okay. I looked up and some dark. They were talking about some dark shit. And I was like, whoa, I really missed what what the hell is happening. I really missed something. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's apparently it's pretty wild. Yeah. And uh, that's what I heard. That's why I want to watch it. Yeah. So um, mm. recommend that too. I, I have to restart it. I didn't finish it and um, I was only half watching it. But it was what I saw was pretty crazy. Anyway, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in tr- ah, always uh, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francis Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs>